Today in the podcast, I have a Native American flautist, and I have to say this is very close to my own heart because as a teenager going through the ups and downs of life, um, I really gravitated to their sound. This man has a lot to say. His name is David Beck, and he's from Missouri, and he has done presentations in corporate environments. Um, he's done many festivals sharing his Native American roots with others and he tells Native American parables. And before we recorded the interviews, he said they're a little bit like Aesop's fables. They're stories with wisdom interlinked within the story. There's always a lesson there to be learned. And I think just before I get into the interview, I think, to be honest, we've a lot to learn from these wonderful people. Welcome to the podcast, David. Fantastic to have you here. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. So the first question is, you're a flautist, you're Native American. What nation are you from? Uh, I'm actually a mixed blood Native American. I'm uh, Cheyenne and Hickory Apache. And then okay. the rest is European mix. We suspect there's Cherokee in there, but we haven't made the link yet and done the research, but okay. there's no such thing as black Irish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have you a bit and, of Irish in you too? Oh yeah, my family says that my dad swore I was black Irish and he made up this whole story that is just not true. Yeah, yeah, I know. So it, the Irish got around everywhere back in the day. They got everywhere. It, it turns out it was a way to uh, that Native Americans could marry Irish people and not have a problem. Really? And I didn't know that. Yeah, so then they would say they were black Irish because it was better to be black than it was to be Native American oh back in the goodness. 1800s. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope we've moved on from that. Oh, it's, it's so archaic to listen to that story. Oh, yeah, there's but people we, we won't touch that subject right now. What I'd love to get into first, because we have a lot to speak about, um, is you are a Native American flautist, and it has this particular sound that I don't think any other flute has. How did you start with the flute, the Native American flute? When did it come into your life? I've always loved the sound of the flute and I've always grown up listening to Carlos Nakai and he's like, if it wasn't for Carlos Nakai, flute music would probably not be as popular as it is. He started back in the 70s and the 80s and really started to make it popular and the guy has recorded probably maybe 30 or 40 albums. And I mean, he's just really done a lot to bring it back into public view and make it popular. And, and when you look at the flute in relation to now, I mentioned that you've, you know, you've done corporate presentations and you've played at festivals and all of that. But now if we just bring it back into your own nation, the Cheyenne Hickory Apache nation, how important is that flute to your culture? How important is it? Um, to the Cheyenne, they call it elk medicine because they believe that music has the ability to heal. And it, it really does. If you sit back and listen, it's like a little mental vacation. <laughs> well, I'm a testimonial so of that. I, I'll be honest, I'm a testimonial of that, going through the ups and downs of life on a mental emotional level and you tune into that sound. There's something there that no other instrument has. And it's also known as the courting flute or the love flute. But a lot of times it was used to lull a baby to sleep. So it, it had so many different uses. 
and it was just entrenched in every society, every Native American society. Yeah, I, I know every every nation you speak of, whether it's your nation that you've just mentioned or many others that are out there like Blackfoot or, you know, I can't they won't come to mind now, but they all have the flute, don't they? And then I, just to just to bring the, the Native American drum into it, you have a particular style of drumming where I've seen in video at powwows, which is your big festival. Um, you see groups of guys around, you know, really drumming. And what's the contrast there? What significance has the drum? Oh, the, the, when you see four guys around a drum, they're singers. And that huge drum is called a Mother Earth drum. And what they're singing are ritual songs. And that is a whole topic by itself. I mean, that is just a fascinating area because there are so many different songs for so many different things. There's songs for, you know, dancing, songs for marriage, songs for uh, someone passing away, songs for ritual. I mean, there's just so much to do and it's all centered around that drum. It's amazing. And, and it's men that play it, interestingly. The women don't, I believe. Am I right? As far as I know, I'm, I, there might be a few, a few nations out there that women do play because traditionally men play the love flute, but there are a few nations where women are allowed to play the flute. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. So it's yeah. very, I didn't know that. Now, speaking of your own history with the flute. So you mentioned before we recorded that your grandfather had a flute that you weren't allowed to touch. Yeah, it was on the wall in his bedroom and no one was allowed to touch it. I mean, you, if you were even caught in his bedroom, you were in trouble. <laughs> really? But every, every once in a while, you would hear him play it. But it was always very quiet. And it was, it was I mean, I maybe heard him five or six times. Yeah. And it was just always so haunting to me. Yeah, it is. You know? It's a beautiful sound. I, I just love the sound. So... You saw the flute in the wall. You weren't allowed to touch it. So how did you get your hands on one? How did that all happen? Well, I had some anger issues that I was trying to work through. And I, I was using flute music to help me with that. And also classical music. And did you find and, it helped? Oh, yeah. It helped a lot. It calmed you but down, did it? It got to a point where I got bored with the music that I was listening to. It was the same music over and over and over. So I asked my wife, I was like, hey, can you get me a flute? And we were at a gift shop and I played one and, and it was pretty good. And the guy was you know, like, wow, you're really good at that. And I'm like, oh, he's trying to sell me a flute. <laughs> so then my wife found one really inexpensive and it showed up in the mail and I pulled it out of the box. And when I started playing it, music real music just came right out and we were both shocked and, and what age were you at this point oh i was probably gosh that was 2004 so i was probably in my mid-30s really so you hadn't touched a flute till your mid-30s and then suddenly yeah. you play it yeah that's incredible because um, you know in the classical music world you know that the, the the typical story is, oh, they started five and six years of age and that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, I played I, I played guitar when I was a kid and I I could make you think I was really good at playing guitar, but I just knew how to fake it really well. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I knew a lot of tips and tricks that would, you know, shortcuts. Yeah. And then uh, I had a really bad car wreck when I was 18 and I just I had to relearn everything. 
Oh my goodness. I didn't take the time to relearn music. You know, there yeah. was too much to get on with. You know, life was hitting me and I was trying to, you know. You were being challenged. Yeah, to so, say the least. I, I know you, you told me there in, in before the interview a while back that you, you know, you still have after effects from that car crash. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I have a terrible memory. <laughs> <laughs> terrible memory. I don't think so. I'm listening to your music there in SoundCloud and it's really good. It's it's yeah. really good. It's different. I mean, I'll play some of the music now in a moment, but how do you create that echo sound? Because if people tune into your SoundCloud, they'll listen to flute music and there's this like echo. What's the symbolism there? That I picked up from Carlos Nakai. Every song that he did, he always says on the back that he uses a such and such equipment to create a sound like you're in a canyon. And almost every flute musician I've heard uses some type of delay or echo. Really? So, yeah, I use okay. it as lightly as possible so you can still pick up the music and you can hear the music, but I just use a tiny little bit so it makes it sound like, you know, you're in Bryce Canyon. Because if you're in Bryce Canyon, we we were one time stopped it up they were doing construction and my father-in-law says hey get out your flute and i got out my flute and you could hear it echo back and i was like that's where they got the echo sound from so i tried to repeat that That's mother nature telling you something. Yeah. yeah. So I just tried to repeat that. Some songs it works with, you have to go a little lighter because of the way the note structure is. And other songs yes. you can you can just sit, can stick with your normal preset. Yeah. yeah. So, and do you play music that has no echo? I mean, Every once in a while I do. Okay. I, so you really I, like this echo style? I, some songs it really adds a depth to. You know, because when you when you hear it in your head and you play it, it, it sounds really good and you add just a little bit of echo and the song completely changes and takes on a life of its own, almost. Now, you also have a lot of knowledge regarding herbs and you had a riddle that you only recently figured out that was handed down from your grandmother. So can you tell us more about the riddle and how that all <laughs> transpired? Well, when you're uh, a child, they would go around and, and tell you riddles to see if you could figure it out. And if you could figure out riddles, then they said, well, you might have the potential to be a medicine man. 
and then they would put you through more and more tests. I could never figure out the riddle. <laughs> so it, it is like they're testing you out as to as yeah, to, to see if your potential. Yeah, they, that's what they would do back in the uh, the old days. Yeah. You know, it, the the whole village would help take care of the children, and they would try to notice what the child was best at and guide him toward that. Mm. You know, so they could you know be a, a productive member of the of the tribe. So that way the child would not only find, you know, what they enjoyed, but also what they were good at. Yes. Yeah. And as they grew up, they would go towards that. And my great grandmother tried to do that with me and it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> you were the, you were, as we discussed a while back, the black sheep, you know, in every family, there is kind of this odd one out of the bunch, isn't there? Uh, yeah. 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 I, I was the odd one for sure. Yeah. 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 Now, a few months ago, I interviewed a lady by the name of Raven Reed, and we're going to move now into a more serious topic, to be honest. And she exposed that the native story that people here in the West in general think has concluded is not concluded. And what I'm talking about is when you look back into the history books concerning Native Americans and how they've been treated, that treatment is still ongoing and people are still suffering. And yes. This is related to a complex story, I suppose, really. And there's a man by the name of Russell Means who has since died since 2012, but he was a major Native American activist who really exposed, I suppose, the truth of how your people are living and the truth of how you're being treated. And I've done my research and I can safely say to the listeners, this story is not concluded. The treatment has not lifted uh, negative treatment. So can you tell us more about the reality of Native American life and what reservation life is like in the 48 in America? The 48 well, there, <clears throat> there are a few nations that have actually been productive but they still have issues. But most Native American nations are literally third world countries. You drive into their borders and it's you're driving into a third world country. I know, when you share that with me, I was just going, I mean, this, in this Western world, it look, anger doesn't really get anyone very far. We've got to be more constructive and solution, you know, looking for solutions, but you'd feel the frustration that's still that's still going on. I mean, this is how long has this been going on? How many hundreds of years? Uh, five hundred, over five hundred. And it still isn't stopped. No, no. Because... And when you when you think of alcohol abuse and that kind of thing, what way are the numbers in reservations? Because I know that has been an issue in the past. On average, drug and alcohol abuse is in the ninety percentile across every nation 90 percent um, yeah um some are higher some are a little bit lower but it's always it's an average about 90 percent. and then when you look at the cultural context of we'll say handing down language handing down wisdom from one generation to the next accessing education perhaps how is all that figuring itself out uh, well a lot of nations are starting immersive schools to help try to save the traditions teach the children the uh their own national language and then also English 
And what they're trying to do is, uh, I know, especially on, uh, you know, the, the Cheyenne reservations and the uh, Hickory Apache reservation, they're trying to educate, even Lakota, they're trying to educate their children as much as possible so they can come back and help the nation. Fantastic. And, yeah. and it's, it's starting to work. Uh, we've got a lot of people that infiltrated federal government, you know, and I call infiltration. That's exactly what we're doing. We're, we're going, we have to go in and we have to go in and fight the battle where it's happening. Yes. And I have seen that. I have seen more of your people in, you know, state senates and so on um, doing their thing, which is good to see. And how are the reactions coming in then from the governments when they see your people approaching them? Um, it's it's starting to, to take effect. Uh, the main thing, the main problem is there's still a lot of racism. And when you say racism now, like who to who? From Native American to white and even Native American to Native American. Okay, so that's a communication issue then. That's Yeah, it's it's really, it's, they've, they're, the government policies put in place have been handed down and and i think it was 1978 i believe that uh, i know in 74 nixon signed an, an agreement to make the nations autonomous if they could prove they were they could do it on their own and in 78 they were given the national autonomy so they have these government regulations in place to the bia or bureau of indian affairs but they also have tribal council so between the two, it's basically shredding up and causing more division than it is unification. Okay. So, you know, if the government would just stay the heck out of our affairs, let us do our own thing. So are you saying, am I understanding you correctly saying that the tribal council is affected by the government, the American government now, just to make it clear? Yeah, the Bureau of Indian Affairs. So when you go on there, for example, to a website, because I have looked at some of the tribal websites or nations and you see all the listing concerning, you know, the, the council and so forth. So that's not really the, the your nation will say, for example, doing it themselves. That's kind of the government coming in, utilizing people within the reservation to. to not really. They, no? the, the tribal council is pretty much free to do what they want, but they are set inside a barrier of regulations that the BIA has set down. Right, okay, okay. So okay. They're, they say they're autonomous and free to do what they want, but they're actually not. No, there's, there's rules and policies and so on. Yeah, okay. and then you've got the issues with tribal councils that are corrupt. You know, uh, that's happened a lot. I've seen on, on reservations where they have to just throw out the tribal council and start over. My goodness. Because and you say, I'm just going back to this point you made, you're saying that reservations are third world countries. Now, can you dig deeper into that idea? Or that oh, fact? absolutely. If, if you've watched on the news and seen like, you know, Haiti or a village in Africa or someplace like that, that's pretty much what a lot of Native American reservations are like. And you're, be... so you're saying that people are literally just so poverty stricken? Yeah, they're. Most that they're struggling are, just for basics. Yeah. And they're exactly. in America and they're struggling for basics. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of people that, you know, don't have enough heat 
for the winter, you know, and they're just bundled up in blankets all winter long. And you know? like, do they have houses to live in? Like what kind of accommodations are, are they experiencing? In the seventies, they went through and they built a lot of homes for natives, but uh, that kind of fell off and there's still uh, Habitat for Humanity will go out and help build homes for Native Americans. Okay. And that's worked out a lot better because it, the person who owns the house has to help build it. So they've got a personal investment in it. So they want to take care of it more. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But you'll see people live in mobile homes that they live in like track housing, you know, kind of like uh, we call them ticky tech houses. They're all the same. You know, yeah. they're, they're built yeah. in these little odd little communities, you know, yeah. and, uh, and how, uh, how common is this knowledge across the world about this situation? Um, I don't think anybody really knows. I really, I, I, I think it's one of those things just totally slipped under the radar because there's so many things going on in the world. There are just so many things going on. It really and is there any of, is there any uh, media push in any corners all trying to get the word out that your people are in the plight that they're in and it's not over for them. They're still living, you know, at the hands of five hundred years of difficulty. Let's go back a couple of years to the Dakota Pipeline access under and, Obama. Was that right? Yes, that was actually, uh, it started under, gosh, I can't remember who it was. It was before Obama. But I remember but, he, when he was there, that story was quite hot. He, yeah, he wanted to stop it. And there was just, they had, there was too much money invested, you know. Um, but they painted the natives as being bad people for trying to protect their burial grounds. I mean, how would you like it if someone wanted to put a pipeline through, you know, your, your family cemetery. cemetery yeah exactly or through your 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 ancestral grounds where you go to do ceremonies you know that's like running a pipeline through your church it is completely and you know the news painted it as you know the natives were not being fair you know, they balanced. Have, yeah that they have no right to do this and you know it's, you know why are the natives doing this and they, they were treated badly people were shot with rubber bullets they were yeah, hosed down yeah, in I the middle that. of winter they were hosed yeah. down with water Ridiculous. cannons yeah i, I mean that. that is inhumane treatment but you there was something that happened that i completely inhumane completely but am i right in saying that a number of nations congregated in solidarity during that episode Yes, which was yes. the first time in history, I believe. It went through. It went through uh, Lakota land, and there were natives from all over America that showed up in support of that.
because that's that's a good thing that yeah. you know that and common ground is found there was a, a little bit of violence because you know anytime you get a large number of people together you're going to get a few bad apples that just are just cause hassle filled with hate yes and anger and angst and they don't know what to do with it and it come, or they're just so filled with desperation mm. and it comes out in a bad way yes you know the and there was a there was some of that that went on i mean there's no there's there's no reason to deny it but the way that they retaliated was inhumane unfair and just downright over the cruel. top basically completely over the top it was yeah. insane yeah literally insane now i'm wondering i'm just in my mind visualizing a reservation described as a third world country 90% alcohol abuse okay efforts to educate the native americans to basically fight where the fight is happening which is in state buildings across the country and so forth what do your communities do to keep going through all of that to maintain their sanity for those people that don't take into those alcohol routes of destruction and all of that people dive into hobbies uh they, there are a lot of beat workers they dive into their tradition uh, they excel at their job and that's the that's the number one thing that leads to drug and alcohol abuse is there are no job opportunities on or near reservations and if there are job opportunities near reservation a lot of times they're looked at as automatically you're a drunk just right up the top it's a stereotype right okay so you've got that problem and then you've got you know a lot of reservations right on the other side of the line there'll be a little town and, and there's just nothing but three or four liquor stores and a gas station you know so there's no facilities at all just encourage yeah. yeah and then what about the ceremonies and you know that cultural activity of living from nature doing your ceremonies you know having that culture does that help in holding people together in a sane safe spot of existence in the middle of such a challenging circumstance i can only speak for myself but i would have to say it works because uh, i am in an anonymous program and i struggled until i dove into my traditions and then it started to click and i started to have success and i started to grow and i guess that's what led me to the flute <laughs> so would you think then that maybe the alcohol abuse is directly related or could be directly related now this we know that this is, an, this is not this is a blanket statement but that it a lot of the issue could be related to this breaking away or shattering of cultural traditions that, oh, if, that if you know that if, there's just a, a lack of opportunity there's an, so there's a lack of opportunity break away from traditions um just basically nothing to do as well idle minds let's face it um, yeah yeah and there there are people on the reservation that want to be traditional and there are people that want to be you know modern and they don't get along with each other why not some do some don't it's it's, it's very the the paradigm or social structure on the reservation is very very bizarre um because there are people that are, that, like I said, that want to remain traditional. There are people that want to live a modern life. And then there are people that are just stuck in between and lost and wandering because they don't know what 
to do. They're just, I mean, they're forgotten, they're lost. And I mean, me not living on a reservation, um, being mixed blood, I don't fit in out here in this world. I don't fit in on the reservation. So you know what I did? I abused drugs and alcohol. It was a way to escape, a way to forget about what was going on, a way to deal with, you know, not fitting in. So I, I would have to say that, you know, that's the way a lot of a lot of natives are on the reservation too. You know, it, they use it as a way to escape. And then by the time you by the time you think you escaped, you're hooked on it and you can't get off. That's it. And we have to say as well that like there's this generational baggage as well coming into the mix because of the history that you've had. And it, I'm talking more in the 1900s even. We don't even have to go back further than that. Um, 1900s back, 1850, 1900s through the 1950s and what went on was crazy. You know, children snatched away from their families and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's, that is mind-blowing to think that the, that cruelty is still going on today in some places. In some places it is, not as far as I know in the lower 48, but there are, the number of missing women is insane. I mean, it's in the thousands. Women go missing every day from reservations. In in uh, America now, in the 48? In America and Canada. Both. It's it's terrible. It's terrible. And when you say they're they're going missing, have any of them been recovered or is there any knowledge at all what's going on? Um, they recently found a body of a native girl, but I mean, it could be human trafficking. It could be, I mean, you know, there's, when you get out West, there's a lot of open space, if you know what I okay. mean. So I do. a person, I do. person could wander off, a person could be, you know, abused by their boyfriend and, you know, who knows? Uh, it could be human, you know, human trafficking. Cause that's yeah, there's a lot really of that going bad. on. Yeah, it's terrible here in America. It's yeah, terrible. I know it's very bad. Yeah, I know. I'm about aware of it every too. every year. There's a huge bus just 50 miles away in St. Louis. You know, mm. almost every year, and it's 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 terrible what those women go through. And it's oh, just it's, terrible. it's it's crazy. There's a wonderful charity there called um, Operation Underground, headed by Tim Ballard, and the work they're doing trying to rescue children as young as five and six years of age and and into their teens and so on. They're doing incredible work trying to rescue children. And I mean, some of the stories that he's released are utterly shocking. Yes. yes. We're supposed uh, to be in the West. We're supposed to be civilized. We're supposed to be all of that. And yet this is all going on. Now, they still behave like animals. Yeah, <laughs> incredible. Yeah, I think the animals are more actually with it than we are at times. That's a sad thing. I get along with animals a lot better than I do most people. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah, I can attest to that in my own life but sometimes. That's yeah. why I love festivals because you're right at a table with across from somebody playing music, talking with them, interacting with them, and that is just so much fun. Yeah. That to me is like a drug. Yeah. That's yeah. my new drug, you know, yeah. playing festivals. Yeah. You don't make a lot of money, but it's seeing kids smile and laugh yeah. and seeing the and parents. connect that human connection. Yeah it's yeah, just in a, amazing in a good space yeah yeah i was just thinking there when you said about um getting on better with animals i wonder why so many people walk with dogs and not people do you ever think of that one and you know i have to say i've started doing it recently it's actually enjoyable i think this is a worldwide issue we've lost our sense of community 
we have completely here in Ireland. It's it's in many ways similar in the sense that you have immigration in the country and you can see that strong sense of community being affected and modern life and technology and all that goes with that. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it, it, I think that's a lot of the problem with everywhere. Yes. You know, and yeah. especially on, on reservation, the, the whole idea of community is broken. There's a small community of traditionalists. There's a small community of modernists. There's small, mm -hmm. you know, and they intermingle, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, a lot of people realize that, hey, if we don't all get along, there's going to be a big problem soon, and we've got to stop it. Yeah. And a few of us that realize it are really trying to to do that. That's what I try to do with my music. You know, I play traditional just get music. Pe pull people together in, the, in a Not safe space. Age, just so, you know, hopefully, you know, I played a college one time and I played for two hours in the commons and they had Indian tacos and all this stuff. They had this, uh, a heritage day. And when I was done and I was packing up, this girl walked up to me and she said, you know, I was having the most terrible week of my life and your music made me feel better. Oh, that's beautiful. That, no that's award. what it's about, isn't it? No award in the world could beat that feeling. <laughs> no, 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 no. I've, I've got, I've got a few, and there is no award that can beat that. <laughs> yeah, those and awards are made of plastic and metal. They're, they're not emotion. That's why I did that. That's why I do music. You know, yeah. Maybe it'll help somebody like it helped me. That's what it's about. Well, I'm a testimonial of it anyway, that your flute music is healing. And I'm going Thank back you. 20, 30 years as well into, you know, other people playing the flute as well. With that native, that typical Native American sound, there's something, I don't want to call it magical, but there's some, it's like a therapy. It's just, I, I see videos on YouTube of running water to help you go to sleep or, you know, something like that. And then you turn on the Native American flute. Oh, it's a world, like it's, uh, well, the water included might be nice too. Water I have a together. lot That's of people nice. that say that there are a few of my songs they use for meditation, and I a lot of people it. say that they use it to, to go to sleep because <laughs> they have trouble sleeping and they just put yeah, exactly right insomnia. Out. Yeah, too much in the and, mind and too much technology and dear knows what else going on. And that's the yeah. funny thing. If I'm playing a gig and the lights are low and people start falling asleep, I know I'm doing my job right. <laughs> That's why and I then tell you can walk off to be told. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Then I'll that's... tell a story to wake him back up. Then yeah, I'll yeah. put him back to sleep. <laughs> I know, I know. It's, music has that power, doesn't it? Transcends all of that division and everything, which is wonderful. Now, before we complete the interview with David, I just want to know what has been your biggest takeaway and what can people do to help in some way your nation and the broader native american just basically by awareness 
try to set aside the stereotypes, you know? Okay. And, and that's a lesson for everybody, really, you know? Because if you strip off our skin, you can't tell us apart. So what's the yeah. big deal? You know, there are a lot of good people out there. A lot of good Native Americans, a lot of good white people, a lot of good black people. It doesn't matter what color you are. There are a lot of good people out there. Yes, it's sir. A few, they're just a few bad people that mess it up. Mm-hmm. And there, uh, if you look on the internet, you can get a hold of any reservation. They have food pantries and things like that. And make sure you know that you know it's a stable food pantry because a lot of open and close overnight. Okay. But there are some that stay open, you know, all the time. Investing in some of the are giving charitable contributions to some of the immersive schools, um, and I'm digging more into that myself because I want to try to help as much as I can. Okay. And, and if if people want to reach out to you, Dave, because I mean, you have a direct link with your community, whereas somebody here, for example, in Europe, or somebody in the white person community may not but if they wanted to reach out to you to find out okay where can i position what i want to give or i want to assist in some way where can they find you oh yeah they can they can hunt me down on social media i have a uh, a website it's david-back.com okay i'll include that and in the show notes yeah they can send me an email there um that's the easiest way to get a hold of me everything else is like a mile long <laughs> all okay. the addresses so your website okay i'll put that in the show notes for people to access okay or even okay. even you know leaving a comment on youtube you know because if someone else who's native american sees that comment they might have an answer that i don't okay, okay. so that would be another way to to do that okay well it's great to have you on and um keep us up to date with what's going on because your people have um a huge wisdom that i think us generally in the west need and it's just being massed over with a lot of communication difficulties a lot of anger and hurt and which is very understandable you know it's incredibly understandable but um it's time it's time for things to move on there's a lot of resentment yes yeah (laughs) especially yeah, from you know, giving someone a huge portion of land and then coming back and saying no we're gonna we're gonna reduce that yeah and keep reducing and it we're, to we're gonna reduce that we're gonna yeah. reduce that we're gonna reduce that yeah. there's a lot of resentment about that yeah a oh, lot it's, of it's so easy to understand it it's so easy and just back into the history books that's what, what breeds the, the hatred yeah. that's what that breeds you know and then alcohol and drugs slip right in there because, because you got this hatred that you, you need yeah. to quell or you need to try to do something with and yeah. you self-medicate. Yeah, I understand. I understand. And it's a vicious cycle. It is. So um, I suppose the best way that people can help really is reach out to you, David, and, and take it from there. Um, yeah. Or that would be the if, best way, perhaps. Or if they see any Native American uh, thing on YouTube, you know, reach out to them as well. Yes, of you know, course. Yeah. You know, there there anyone out there who's who's putting out videos that are traditional stuff will have a way to get in contact or you know, hey, with yeah, the people help, that really can help. Because mm-hmm. there there are coke drives, you know, things like that. Okay. There are all kinds of things across all different nations. Okay. So yeah, yeah. If anyone sees any type of Native American artist on YouTube, just put a comment up, up there. Hey, how can I help your community? And I'm sure they'll be more than happy to help. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay. Well, it's been great to have you on. And unfortunately, it's it's a tough topic to talk about, but it needs to be spoken about to bring a broader awareness to everything. So thanks for coming on. A pleasure. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it very much.